Welcome back to another episode of Money Talks. My name is Hugh Meyer. Hope you're doing well. We are connecting entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and business experts to you, the small business are today. Super excited to have my guests from Right Foot in San Francisco, Deidre Clue and Will Schmidt. Right Foot is a fintech company focused on streamlining how student loans are paid off. They're enabling a new generation of products and services that are making it easier to manage and pay credit cards, student loans, and various consumer bills. In this episode, we learned about their backgrounds, the genesis of Right Foot, talk about how their process works, what is the future of Right Foot, and the overall fintech landscape. We hope you enjoy this episode. Deidre and Will, uh, welcome to the Money Talks podcast. It's super excited to have you here. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. <laughs> we're excited to be here. <laughs> yes, uh, as, as am I, because this is, as, as we were talking off camera, this is my first podcast with multiple guests. So, but uh, we're very excited to have you here. And uh, without further ado, let's get right into it. I guess, Deidre, while we start with you, maybe tell us a little bit about your background first, and then we'll, uh, we'll hand it over to Will. Sounds great. Well, thanks for having us. We're really excited to be here. Uh, yeah, my name is Deirdre and I'm the co-founder and COO of Right Foot. I you know, grew up in the Bay Area, but then was back on the East Coast and was at Harvard undergrad, but then was at working at PepsiCo, launching new to the world products. I absolutely love product creation. That's the thing that really, really inspires me and drives me. I'm still leading product here at Right Foot. However, Mission is something that while the people are incredible at PepsiCo, uh, soda wasn't necessarily a thing that got me up in the morning, especially being an ex-college athlete. And so I went back to school. I went to Stanford Business School and met our the third co-founder, the one that uh, I'm sure you'll meet next time we regroup, but uh, Danny, I met her pretty much day one at Stanford Business School. And we aligned very quickly on mission, realizing that financial inclusion, leveling the playing field is something that drove both of us. And then uh, the, I always say the best thing that happened to us was a year later, we got to meet Will and uh, he, you know, rounded out the squad. So I'll, uh, I'll pass it over to Will. Cool. Thanks, Deirdre. Uh, so yeah, uh, my name is Will. I, I uh, come from a bit of an engineering background. Uh, I'm a co-founder also of Rightfoot here leading our engineering team. Uh, I actually, I worked, I started my career at GE working in renewables, working on actually more low level, your, your control systems for, for solar and wind power plants. Uh, for grid stability. I've always been really kind of interested in the, these, these mission-driven uh, initiatives and, and ultimately trying to, to work on infrastructure problems. Things are a little bit lower layer in the stack that support products above them. So uh, after I was at GE, went over to Google, did some software engineering there within network infrastructure. So also sort of backbone uh, infrastructure engineering, uh, but really similarly with Deirdre here, uh, looking to find a, a mission-driven uh, application and approach that we can build out uh, and provide sort of backbone in other spaces. And, and we, the three of us decided uh, to, to jump off together and, and create this uh, company focused around uh, student debt and, and infrastructure there to help uh, a problem that's pretty wide widespread in the U.S. No question. Uh, and it's, and if, if, if anything, it's gotten even more of a, uh, of a spotlight on it over the last year with everything that happened with COVID and now with the new incoming administration. So uh, again, I'm super excited to have you guys here. You guys, you guys were going back for a second on your stories because you both started for, at larger corporations and now have obviously worked yourself and now you have a, your own startup. Maybe either one of you want to talk a little bit about about that back about that background and then kind of moving into this much different i guess creating your own culture and it's obviously a much different environment 
uh, spot on there. It's something where um, I think there's pluses and, and minuses to it is on one hand, we've been able to see some best in class approaches. And for instance, now going through interviewing and onboarding new employees, we just raised a big round. So we are yeah. hiring like crazy. And Will has been able to bring over a lot of the best practices from Google. And I can go back to the Pepsi A's on how we approach product. And if we had all the resources in the world, how would we do it? But the culture thing is, it, you're spot on. It's, it's really difficult. And so the approach that we take is we won't know it all today. So what we're going to do is we're going to set a lot of hypotheses and experiments. So every two weeks we sit down and we say, all right, what's going well in the team? Uh, what's not going well? And then we hypothesize on what's the most important thing. What's the biggest risk to the business given what we know today? And then we set tests on how we could change something. So we change our processes, I would say, nearly every week. Uh, and then through that, you know, the, the business today and, and the culture in the company today, I would say is 100x better than it was last year. So I'm hoping that we can just continue that progress. And then over time, uh, we get to exactly where we want to be. Uh, I don't know if I'm missing anything there. Well, no, I mean, you're right. You're spot on. And like, it's, it's about kind of dealing with uncertainty, uh, figuring out what, what certainty you can drive out of hypothesizing and, and gathering what data is available to you and uh, working closer and closer. And we'll ultimately do uh, you know, a percentage year over year improvement and, and reduction of uncertainty, which is, is exponential. So uh, we'll, we'll keep doing that and trying to discover and uh, demand fault in practices that we've, we've learned from the past. And uh figure out, you know, really prioritize. Like the heart of it is prioritization. Every, every little bit we do is prioritization. And that comes down to voting on hypotheses as a team to essentially figure out where are the common, uh, common bites that we're trying to, uh, to take. Yeah. Thank, thank you for that. And congratulations. Uh, I did want to mention that on your latest raise, obviously, um, that's huge. Uh, you know, congratulations to you guys. And clearly all the things you were just talking about are, are morphing together because that's, that's what better evidence of what you guys are working on than obviously continue to get, you know, having more capital being raised and having more confidence of your outside investors and what you guys are working towards. Thank you. We, we feel really, we feel really excited. And it's just been the partner, we got the exact right partners on board. And it's been something not only do they have all of the incredible expertise, but also we had, we have a majority female cap table now, which especially in fintech is insane. Uh, we also added in a diversity writer. And this was something that we worked uh, with our main partner. So Bain Capital led the round and they said, all right, we know this is important to you. It's important to us as well. Let's make sure that voices that are traditionally underrepresented are also get a space at the table. And we were able to also get incredible angels on board from basically we went to, we were like, okay, what are all the companies that we admire in the space? How can we have their leaders, you know, be in our corner? And we're able to round out just an incredible group of angels, the, you know, co-founder and CTO of Plaid and the founder of Ernest, which is, you know, student debt refinancing. So he knows the space very well and, and understands our passions, the, you know, eight, 10 year COO of Venmo. And it, we're, allow, we're allowing ourselves to then learn from the incredible people that have come before us and then continue to build on their experience. Yeah, I mean, th those are some great uh, representatives there to have as allies in kind of what you guys are working towards all, you know, have done, have great track records behind them. So uh, kudos to you guys for partnering with them and, and to them for recognizing what you guys have in front of you. So let, let's get right into it. Let's back up, I guess, a second and talk about how this all started. What was the genesis of, of Rightfoot? 
So as we were just alluding to, we, you know, we were at Stanford Business School. We met Will there and somehow convinced him to, you know, leave Google and his cushy job to come, you know, bet it all. And we first started out with what's our mission? What are we trying to do? And financial inclusion is what's really important to us and finding ways to level playing field, taking a just just in student debt alone. So it's also worth noting that we're actually expanding into our down the line, we just want to be right. the go-to player for any type of debt, but starting with student debt, in part because you look at how it's distributed amongst communities, two-thirds of all student debt is held by women. This is over a wow. trillion dollars, even though there's near equal graduation rates. And this is, you know, this is the what we're seeing here is the pay gap. And until you know the pay gap is solved, which I recently saw it's gonna be like another hundred years or so until we actually get to a point where we're at at their pace that we're going today. And so until we can solve that, then you can't solve people actually paying down their debt. Uh, But it's not just that, it's you look at uh, 12 years after the origination of a loan, uh, on average, white students have around 60% of their original debt uh, left. However, black students have around 113% of their original loan, 12 years after origination. Same thing, you know, you go down the line, Latinx, LGBTQ, it, you see the same patterns over and over again. And so we, we said, all right, how can we solve this? There's a lot of different ways to do this. And at the end of the day, we kind of looked at our backgrounds and our, the one co-founder that's not here, our CEO, Danny, she led API strategy for banks in Southeast Asia. Will has 10 years of infrastructure experience. I've led new to the world products. Our backgrounds together work really well for an infrastructure, fintech infrastructure company. And so we said, all right, well, how can we let companies do what they do well, which is on the user experience, talking to customers, giving them the products they want, but enable them to really facilitate these debt payments in a way that wasn't possible before. So I'll pause there for a second because I'm going to let Will go into the, the details of the product. Um, but we're, we were just really driven by the fact that no one has tackled the debt space. So there's a lot of people focusing on how do you move money around on you know, our asset side of right. the balance sheet, but liabilities has been in just completely forgotten. It was astounding to us. We were going around asking people, what are you doing? And there were big players saying, oh, of course we send checks. I mean, checks is default for liabilities right now. And so we said, all right, that's just, that's ridiculous. Let's make sure that we, we create a more scalable way to be doing this. Yeah, you you you're spot on, Deirdre. You know, we 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 sort of were looking at this. We wanted we we were considering making a product that was really kind of more application based that would be facing end users. But ultimately, like we found this as a as a as a big pain point. We we're trying to do these payments ourselves. Uh, saw this as a friction point and an obstacle for plenty more innovative apps to to go forward with. And this shouldn't be one of those things that should just be kind of table stakes that's are, are, that are available to folks. So so really, you know, we're starting with student debt here. We definitely see other spaces that have a lot of the same inequities and a lot of the same friction points. Uh, the goal is to really say, you know, how can we empower uh, other applications to build something more creative? So, so we're an API company. Ultimately, uh, you as a consumer might not see your right foot directly, but we provide uh, these HTTP APIs that any business now can come say, you know, what, we want to put student debt up. We're going to make it so it's all just about your user experience. Let you own your, your product 
let Rightfoot be unopinionated about what you want to do with that product. You can come with all sorts of creative solutions. We can power, you know, a ton of different spaces, B2C apps, B2B apps, banks, really a whole large space. And, and there's plenty of really interesting use cases that come out of that. Suddenly someone who's not, doesn't want to be an expert on how to make loan payments can just do the loan payments. Let us be the experts about that. We'll figure that out and, uh, and make sure those payments are, are one, they're going to be uh, fast, they're going to be cheap. Uh, and they're going to have a good feedback loop. So really kind of high fidelity. So so uh, we support, you know, the student debt, you may have one account that actually has multiple sub accounts within it of varying interest rates. And you may want to actually target that 8% interest rate loan if you're trying to get out debt sooner than the 3% interest rate loan. Uh, and those interest rates are constantly in flux over time, whether or not you're, you have a public loan or a privately uh, issued loan. Uh, the Targeting a higher interest rate loan would be really important to try to reduce the overall cost of your loan. Or maybe you're interested actually in doing the, the smaller balance loan because you're trying to reduce the number of minimum payments that you really have. Uh, so the goal here is to really just create these tools to allow other folks to target these uh, target this debt easily um, and not have to worry about the, the, the details. Let us kind of figure out the connection of those semantics, to the actual payment process. Um, and, I, and, and I think we can talk a little bit more about this, but one of the really cool, interesting things that's changed over the last you know, five to 10 years is, is really the availability of data. Um, right. Data is really cool. We have a lot of data APIs that allow you to read information about financial inf uh, information, your, your bank accounts and your loans. You can all link them into, into your, your bank's app, uh, like through a Mint or uh, with Plaid is, is a uh, really big player here for providing data to uh, your financial apps or your, your credit unions, et cetera. And uh, there's, there's very little actionability on that data right now. It's cool. You can get a presentation of, hey, you know, it's probably a good idea for you to spend a little bit more on paying down your student loan or your right. credit card uh, debt is higher interest rate, 20% interest rate uh, is, is astronomical. Let's focus there on, on, on driving that down. But you can't just drag and drop money like you would with ACH from a bank account to a bank account. Right. Um, so today uh, it's a little bit more limited and our goal is to try to provide a lot more writability on, on the rest of those types of products. Thank you for that background. Maybe can you take us through, and I think you were just alluding to this, kind of how I guess you're connected, someone or someone like myself would get connected with you and how you know, kind of take us through how that would work and how that process kind of unfolds for that for that individual or that work group. Yeah, absolutely. So so let's say you've got a, an employer benefits app that's trying to provide a, a student debt repayment benefit saying your employer uh, sees the, the $5,250 tax benefit that they can provide uh, payment to your student debt tax free. And you know, they've, they've brought on some employer benefit provider who's a customer of ours. They're going to go ahead and provide a product, get you to log into your loans through Plaid, and then ultimately our customer uh, who is interfacing directly with you. We'll take that information from Plaid, share that directly with us and say, here's the information that's required to make a, make a loan to this payment, this uh, make a payment to this loan. And uh, we're, we would like you to make sure that you know, $300 this month is coming from employer's bank account. It's going to get forwarded off to your student loan and, and make sure you pay the high interest rate student loan or perhaps pay the low balance loan because you're trying to go through the difference between that snowball and avalanche approach to, to debt pay down. Um, so, so essentially, we, we provide that glue for that application in between 
you might find yourself interacting with your credit credit union and you've got all of your accounts in one place. You've got your full top to bottom uh, balance sheet. Uh, and on there, I say, hey, you know, if you put a little bit extra money here into your uh, into your student loans, maybe a couple bucks a month here, this is how much you're going to save on interest over the course of the loan. And we're, by the way, we're going to do it to your high interest rate loan. And because of that, you're going to save this extra uh, $1,000 over the course of the loan's lifetime. Great. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Deidre. Sorry, just expanding on exactly what Will was just saying is saying that by being an unbiased approach, our idea is to enable any type of app to add debt repayments. So while today it's starting with, yes, the employer benefit, because this tax benefit actually just came about during the CARES right. Act. So this is something very recent. This is you know what we see the, the new 401k, because one of the top things that stops employees from contributing towards their 401k is having student debt. So now right. employers can go ahead and say, hey, you want that match to your 401k or to your student debt? We'll match whatever's best for you. So that's obviously the, you know, that as well as the fintechs, really easy first use cases that make a lot of sense. But where we're actually starting to see a lot of movement is things like tipping platforms, POS systems, where they say, well, what if you could tip towards your waiter or waitress's student debt? What if when you got the bill, you saw, hey, you're the reason why this person has this job, this driver, this waiter, this artist is because they're trying to pay down that student debt. So not only does this really create just like a layer of connection in a world where we where we have a lot of disconnect, but additionally, it's it, what we've shown from our initial studies is that people are willing to tip up to 30% more if they know where that money is going right. and why people are working for that. And so if in that instance, that was the case. As soon as that tip was promised, then it would ping our system and then we would take over the payment rails. And so then also the, the person who is tipping is also reassured that this money is in fact going directly towards that student debt. And you can, to Will's point on interest, this, this partnership with, with data alongside payments enables us to then say, okay, you tipped $6, but just so you know, you actually helped that person save $9 given interest. So you have an outsized impact on that person's life. Yeah, that that's fantastic. I mean, you cannot under you know understate under the the impact of of what you guys are doing and how and how that works. And listen, and people are going to become more aware of an employer is becoming more aware of that big change from the CARES Act, which is which is obviously enormous to what you guys are working on. So uh, again, you know, super excited to keep learning more. I guess, Deidre, this is probably more a question for you. Talk a little bit about how. How do you guys market? I mean, how are you, you know, what you guys are doing is, is, is amazing. It's super helpful. It's impactful. It's going to help untold numbers of people, but obviously you want to continue to get the word out. How are you guys doing that? So, you know, to date, candidly, it's been mostly, we've been building and we've been lucky to just have an incredible amount of inbound that has happened through word of mouth. However, what we're actually more moving towards is relying on our partners, we have a really strong partnership with Plaid and Plaid, we have been able to work together to say, hey, we've got a really ideal solution together. And while we can support, you know, if you want to pass us data, we are able to support it in a number of different ways. Uh, but if we can come together with someone who is both, you know, the right and the read, then you have a solution where you go to someone and say, all right, in your app, now you can not only tell your consumers about their finance, their holistic financial wellness, but you can actually enable them to take action from directly within the app. So it's building really strong partnerships. It's having opportunities to really emphasize that people can create in whatever way they want to create. So even, you know, avenues like this, we really appreciate you having it, having us here. Well, 
what we hope is from this is that people share this, talk to people and say, what can we, what can we do? What can we create? Cause we want this to go beyond just hitting the need that's there today, where we see the really incredible, incredible opportunities is around the expansion areas, the areas that today we aren't even thinking that student debt fits into that realm. But I mean, even when, you know, Plaid was first getting started, they didn't realize that there would be a need in all of these different ways right. to have this data accessible. And when they were first starting out, I was like, okay, you know, there was doubts about the size of the market. And then as soon as people are allowed to create in an unbiased way, that's when you really begin to see the magic of this. And especially as, you know, the, the quote, I feel like I hear at least three times a day now is every company is becoming a FinTech. And so <laughs> as that's happening, then we just want to be one of those payment rails that are really, you know, boosting up their financial stack. Yeah, I've, I haven't heard that to, until today, until this minute today. But yeah, wow. it's, uh, it's day's it, almost it, over. Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it is amazing. Uh, but it's it's become in the last few months, um, my one of my favorite topics, and my favorite topic to actually you know bring people on to talk about because there's as you already know the amount of innovation and amazing creativity that's going on in the space to help people in the, in the time where they need it the most is incredible. Um, one of my last guests is up in Seattle. Also, also, um, an entrepreneur and innovator like you guys has created, he and his partners have created one of the first, um, emergency savings applications for for corporations. Um, so like I said, I, I really enjoy having these conversations with, with the founders on, on things like this that are just hugely important and are going to make such a difference over, over the long term. Completely agree. And, and we're also saying, yeah, emergency savings is, is definitely coming up where people are talking about, like, how do we prepare for the future? And so when it, what we're looking towards is what happens when we come out of this period of COVID? How does the world change? What support do people need when we come out of the student debt freeze? Right now, you know, they're luckily the government has provided a, a payments freeze, but right. what happens when people come out of that and you haven't been used to making these payments? How can we provide the right services and apps and technology to be able to support consumers in that journey as well as medical debt? that is going to be a huge topic that's coming up soon. So we're even just trying to think internally how we prepare ourselves to be serving that, that need to really help consumers on a stronger financial path. Yeah. That actually was leading to my next, my next question, which is, I guess, you know, what are the next iterations of what you guys are working on? What do you, what are your next goals or projects that you can talk about obviously um, going into the, this year and next? Yeah, so you know, we started this out talking about being hypothesis driven, uh, and uh, ultimately, uh, this this answer constantly changes, and, and that's good. Uh, and, and hopefully, not too drastically every time, but but every time we go through a hypothesis loop, we we figure out really, you know, is this actually going to be more important? Dynamics change constantly, um, but there's a lot of overlaps in, in the inequities we talked about with the credit card debt as well. Uh, credit card debt, similar to uh, student debt, doesn't really have assets backing it necessarily. There's no collateral with it. Uh, closer to, you know, we're talking about revolving credit here now instead of uh, student loans, which are right. a little bit more intentionally long-term period, but they have a lot of sort of the same commonalities. And uh, the, our customers are trying to serve usually both of those together. Um, and there's a lot of times like you, if you have student debt uh, and credit card debt, a uh, significant amount of credit card debt, you're going to probably want to pay that down first because the interest rate on there's the returns. I mean, you think about this as like a return to stock market, like you, you, but a guaranteed return, you're going to get a guaranteed return or an opportunity cost that you missed out on paying down your, your, your debt if you try to invest somewhere else. 
So can you, uh, but so in the same way, like, you know, paying down a credit card debt is a guaranteed return of that APR, uh, similar to student debt guaranteed return on that, that APR for your student debt interest rate. So there's a lot of similarities there. We'll, we'll likely find ourselves supporting the credit card space uh, really seriously next. Um, and then thinking more about those, uh, the rest of that really liability side of the balance sheet. Uh, earlier, I, you know, I said, Hey, we've got a lot of support today for ACH for bank-to-bank transfer. Credit card payments right. are are really pretty uh, fleshed out in terms of API coverage today. Uh, but still, there's there's a really a lack of coverage in that in, in the API space for for access to uh, through the, the liability side of your, your balance sheet. So, uh, you know, part, we talk about partner Plaid as a partnership. Ultimately, uh, you know, when you have Plaid data, you can bring a token from that to to a Stripe in order to say, hey, I, I own this bank account. So like you can withdraw money from it instead of going through an older form of signing and writing a voided check out to say, you know, I do own this account and I authorize withdrawal from it. Uh, but that's really most of the extent of these more like product sharing between Plaid data where you have a customer who's using Plaid data to do something for their customers. Um, but they add an extra layer of interactivity by having this IAV, this incident account uh, verification. Um, but most of the other parts there yet still need more actionability. So we're trying to fill that out. Ultimately, we see like anywhere that someone's trying to serve up data, they're probably trying to do something with it and we'll, we'll want to co- provide coverage there uh, ultimately. So we see definitely auto and, and home uh, lending will likely be there and we'll be answering that question uh, about what's the value there compared to uh, more obvious cases of students in, in credit. Um, and then similarly, you know, Deirdre brought up medical debt, which is, a little bit distinct from from that other category of, of liabilities. Uh, so we kind of have those three different spaces of liabilities, the the student debt and credit naturally group a little bit, medical debt uh, a little bit further, and then your your asset more asset based or asset backed uh, liabilities of home and auto. Well, it's it certainly seems like you guys have, as I said, you guys have your work cut out for you. You have. Uh, endless amount of opportunity and it's going to be really exciting to watch how you guys you know work on each of those areas and 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 see who you guys partner with in each of those areas to really push this keep this ball going forward so you know kudos to you guys for for uh, a lot of amazing work that you're doing thank you so yeah i always as i mentioned i always want to give my guests a chance to uh, to turn and grab the mic from me because I asked them so many questions and they're so great about answering all my questions. So, uh, you know, the mic is yours if you have any questions you'd like to ask myself. Great. Well, I would love to kind of riff off of the, you know, everyone is a fintech. We're seeing, we're seeing today that even you know, even Clubhouse is now looking at, you know, adding the ability for creators to be earning money, setting up subscriptions, et cetera. And as soon as payment rails are, you know, hitting all of these different social media endpoints as well, where, what do you believe becomes the line of what is a fintech not? So at the end of the day, if everything is a fintech, then inherently we don't have fintech. So then what is this, you know, second iteration? What is the, you know, next era of fintech look like for you? Wow. That's such a great question. Uh, and it's a really excellent point you just brought up about, you know, if everything is a, a considered a fintech, how, you know, how can that be the case? Wow. Great question. So this is kind of where I have seen, or I kind of see the, maybe it's the opportunity um, is how people in the kind of the social media landscape are, it's not necessarily about the, 
and I, fintech will be a part of it, but it's a, how they're going to monetize what they're working on. And here, this is kind of my my the example I always have been leading with is the Mr. Beast example. So if you're familiar with who Mr. Beast is, is a huge YouTube star, um, makes you know ungodly amounts of money and gives a lot of it away. But what he really understands is how to monetize his influence how to monetize what he's doing. He created all of a sudden out of the blue over Christmas, he created this online burger chain out of ghost kitchens that shut down his website in like a matter of an hour. But what I think is the next step, and this is kind of where the FinTech comes in is, how does someone like you, DJ, or you will, or I get access to his upside, if you will? How does someone kind of create almost an investment vehicle out of someone like a Mr. Beast or and get have participation to what he's working on. There's so many people out there now in the media world that are no longer interested in taking cash as a payment. They want equity. They want some kind of way that they're going to have a long-term stake in whatever it is they're producing. They don't want to just cash in at some certain point. So to me, that's what I'm looking to see how that evolves, how the, the technology is able to make that happen. So that's kind of, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great answer. And I think it, it really plays into to the spirit of, of infrastructure uh, and what we believe. Ultimately, though, the, the more of those barriers that we can reduce to be able to create anything, you know, it's tiny. Like the idea is that these, these any product you want to build that's going to do something interesting should be pretty lightweight. And you should be able to do it as, uh, you know, a, a, someone coding at home. It, you know, maybe you're a software engineer trying to make a, a small app. Like, you should be able to do that and not have to be facing these massive headwinds to become a bank right. and go through the regulatory space. Can we, can, can the tools be available so that without even having to talk to me at, you know, at right foot, can, can you just log on to right foot site or a number of other sites and just get access really quickly, go through some of the, the required steps. Um, but it's like reducing these barriers and friction to creating really new, new, new innovative, uh, apps and opportunities and be able to offer more of this, the more we can kind of be able to make accessible uh, the underlying layers, the the more the top layers can build. I, yeah. I think you also, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go, no, go ahead. I was just going to hand it off to you. Awesome. So I was going to say, I actually think you have an interesting, it's almost the flip side to micropayments because there've been a, you know, there's been this huge trend lately in this movement towards micropayments, the ability to make payments in small increments when you have that cash available coming from a number of different sources. And it's not just necessarily one salary, but it's maybe it's, you know, tips here. It's, it's your, you know, uh, your Venmo balance here, your job here, and then being able to make payments towards your liabilities when you have that money available rather than needing to keep that $300 towards the end of the month. I think you have an interesting flip side of like, what if that investing is also in a micro way of it's not just one route, but I'm able to invest and you know diversify how I'm thinking about my future and how I'm thinking about that upside in a whole host of new creative ways. I think that's really interesting. I'm, I'm excited to uh, see how that plays out. Yeah, I think it just plays into what we're seeing. And you were just, well, you were, well, you were just alluding to this earlier. This is really a lot, a lot about the democratization of investing and access to information, which I think is, you know, obviously none of us wanted COVID. No, one, none of us wanted a, a global pandemic, but it really hit the gas pedal 
uh, on innovation. And it's really, I feel like, hit the gas pedal of democratizing access to really high level information for to people that wouldn't have been possible five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, or opportunities that wouldn't have been available. And you're really starting to slowly see, you know, the walls come down. And, and I've been very fortunate to have founders like yourself on the podcast, um, whether it's in the emergency savings app that I was talking about earlier, or I had a founder of a, of a, of an institution here, um, a neo, you know, like a neo bank here in Los Angeles. And you guys have a great perspective. And the irony is, is that, you know, you're trying to make this easier for everybody. This isn't, you know, you're not coming in to, you know, invade the old line institutions. You're here to be a, in this, to be a solution for, for a lot of people. And, you know, it's really exciting to watch this all in, evolve over a very, very short period of time. Absolutely. Nobody wants checks. <laughs> checks are checks are, <laughs> are the old guard for sure. So perhaps uh, not to disparage paper mills, but maybe paper <laughs> mills would be the ones suffering the most. No, it's true. It's uh, it's amazing. You know the the growth and you know obviously the, the growth in fintech. Um, it's it, you know I think I read an article that was just that just came out maybe in the last couple hours out of TechCrunch talking about you know, the multi-trillions of dollars that are going into the space. It's just, it's just, it's the reality. Um, so hopefully we'll continue to see, you know, great innovation, like, you know, what you guys are doing yourselves. So uh, thank you for that great question. I appreciate it. Of course. Me, uh, I guess maybe talk a little bit about, um, as we're concluding here, what, what's kind of your, I guess, net goals maybe this year and going forward as far as, you know, partnerships or, or, or bigger plans that you guys are, are looking towards in the future? So first up, I would say hiring. So <laughs> if anyone listening wants, is really driven by, you know, the mission to financial inclusion and technology, come uh, give us a call. But I, I think for us, it's really about expanding the team, expanding that then enables us to expand into these future debt rails. And then that enables us to just serve a whole host of new solutions because, you know, we, we also within FinTech talk about the, you know, the bundling and the unbundling. And, right. and while, while there, it was perfect to start with a point solution around student debt, what we're hearing is we're seeing a movement towards, you know, this newer generation where they're not going to traditional banks, they're going to FinTechs truly for their financial financial needs, everything from, you know, actually a checkings and savings account and not just, you know, investment or maybe a side account, like I think almost was more of my generation. Now I'm looking at my younger sister and she's opening a bank account with a neobank and that's her first point of contact. And so if that is that first point of contact, then how can that bank be, that neobank be more than just savings account, but actually offering the, so many really interesting and incredible ways um, to offer new solutions to a new generation. And uh, so having different payment rails really helps us serve that for people who are looking to be a financial or holistic financial tool. Uh, and yeah, and just keep, you know, taking it day by day and and making sure that we're building the right culture in our team uh, so that we're growing in a, a sustainable and exciting way. Yeah, I'll reiterate everything Deirdre said there. We, we've got a lot of interesting space that we wanna dive into. We're gonna need a lot of help doing that, so uh, we're we're definitely growing the team quickly, and uh, want to pull some more folks in here to help us uh, solve this problem together. And yeah, uh, I, reach out and look look for if you you got an idea you want to build on this too, you can go to rightfoot.com and uh, we'll get you set up uh, with API access, and you can start building your own student debt app. 
Yeah, I love it. You gotta you gotta promote. Um, you know, I'm excited to uh, you know get this out and hopefully you know help you guys bring in some more you know super high quality people like yourselves that you know have this great vision you know, of what you guys are building and what, you know, and that, and that culture, which, you know, like you said, can't understate that it's so important to have that culture in place. Um, or you guys, you know, you couldn't be where you are today without that. So kudos to you guys. So it's kind of what we're concluding, maybe offer a piece of, uh, you know, I, I always love to offer actionable advice out there. And you guys are obviously young entrepreneurs in the right, definitely headed in the right direction. Maybe you offer a piece of advice to, you know, people that may be, you know, wanting to go, go this route of, of a startup and, and leave some advice for those people. I'd say ask for help. And yeah. I think there's just such a wealth of knowledge out there. People have done it before. It's so rare that the problem that you're facing is the first time anyone has ever seen that. And I, we've just had such an incredible network of support through professors, through friends, advisors, investors, other entrepreneurs, uh, and especially, you know, having, we have two female founders in the fintech space. There's been a really strong group of female fintech entrepreneurs that have been a huge support. So I think finding the people that you admire, and even if you don't know them, like just send an email. It never hurts. Yeah. Worst thing they, they do is either say no, or you don't even hear from them. And then you're in the exact same place as you were before. Uh, and if we can ever be of help, we always say, I, I'm always up for taking a call. And uh, I just think that go for it <laughs> would be my advice. Uh, and know that there's always going to be people to support you if you're willing to ask for help. And I'll follow on and I'll say, you know, be curious, uh, ultimately, you know, wanting to learn more. I, I, I didn't start in, in financial technology here for sure. Uh, sure. I've got a common thread of, of infrastructure interest, but, but ultimately like there are some really creative problems out there and uh, it seems kind of daunting to attack something that's a little bit new and uncertain, uh, but that's the art of learning and, and trying to tease something out of it and ultimately create uh, some positive solution that you you have some expertise that you can you can grow on and, and you'll grow your own expertise from there. And then it's, you know, per, percent every year is an exponential growth. So uh, keep learning. There's a lot of resources, especially in software these days that you can you can really uh, access without having to talk to someone, maybe to counter dear this point. But uh, but <laughs> together with with uh, with together with advisors and folks that you can talk to and the amount of rich information that we can get today. And we're really proud of, you know, as an early stage startup posting our API docs uh, online publicly, you can do that without signing up for anything. We want to make sure that there's there's access to information here for people to be able to decide whether or not they could do something right away. The the there's the barriers have been reduced in a ton of space. You, know, you talk about democratization. Uh, there's a lot of information available out there, and uh, playing around with it, getting to learn it, and 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 maybe messing up a few times is is really 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 valuable. Yeah, that, that's a great point that you just left off with as far as you're going to make mistakes and, and and you guys sound like you do a really great job of really sharing ideas and testing, you know, think testing out, you know, like you said, hypotheses and, and going through that. That's really important. It's 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 interesting to hear that. That's a, a very common thread I've, I'm hearing from founders is, is that's one thing that you're that I hear. And that's why they're being so successful and becoming successful is having that that idea, that culture of, you know, let's test this out. You know, there isn't a wrong, necessarily a wrong answer to this, and you know, eventually we're going to make this work. So, um, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Well, it was again, again, really, ex it was exciting to have you here, guys, Deidre and Will, and 
next time, we're going to have Danny on with us as well. The three of you guys are doing an amazing job. Um, I was honored to have you guys here and really look forward to hearing more about, you know, your progress at Right Foot and, uh, and, and in the future. So thank you again for being here today. Yeah, thank you, Hugh. The honor's ours. Thank you so much, Hugh. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone, for being here at another episode of Money Talks. And we'll be back with another episode next week. If you get a chance, subscribe on our YouTube channel and hit the like button. Thank you again. And we'll be back next week. Take care.